Hi friends, welcome to Reading Minds, where ordinary people talk about extraordinary books. Today my husband Mason is joining me again, and since we're in Halloween month, we decided to read a few short stories by H.P. Lovecraft, an author that we both really enjoy but haven't read much of. As always, links to what we read in our Goodreads accounts will be in the episode description. I hope you enjoy our in-depth introduction of H.P. Lovecraft's The Call of Cthulhu, Dunwich Horror, and The Thing on the Doorstep. the Halloween spirit, mm-hmm. I guess, <laughs> we will be talking about H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this great. is Mason. Mason's with me again. Yeah. I forgot to introduce him. All right. So are you ready for the icebreaker question of the day? Sure. I just came up with this and I had to think for a long time about my <laughs> answer. <laughs> so hopefully it's good. All right. If you could be any monster from Classic Lit, what would you be? A monster from yeah. classic. See, but... it's a very hmm. Halloween type question. Yeah, yeah. And books. I was proud of it. That's I came up with it question. on my it, own. Made it up yourself. I did. That's amazing. Thank you. So I saw you trying to Google answers earlier. I or did. Or questions. Google Sorry. questions. You weren't Googling answers. Oh. I tried, though. Let's see. <laughs> oh, favorite monster from classic lit. My... No, not favorite monster. If you were a oh, monster. Oh, if you were a monster. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. Do you um, want me to go first? Sure. If you need time to think. Okay, so mine is kind of cheating. It's not actually a monster. It's more just like a magical element in a story. Uh-huh. And I picked this one because we read this story in high school. And it okay. it was the first like horror-esque thing that I read that I okay. enjoyed. So... Sure. It was kind of like a big moment for me. So that's why I picked this story. But it is The Monkey's Paw. Okay. Have you read that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we read it together. Yeah. So yeah. I would be The Monkey's Paw. <laughs> right. the, so, no. It's that's like. It's not a monster. That's just I told like a you thing. it was. I told you it wasn't a monster. You, you would want, you want to be in an inanimate object with no consciousness. Just like. Special powers. Possibly. But maybe not. I feel like it's a bad answer. It is. Okay. It definitely is. Because I think I would want to be. Dracula. I feel like he is a very interesting character. Explain. Um, well, I mean, so it'd be cool to be like the vampire powers are kind of cool, being able to fly and be able to turn into a bad and, and suck people's blood. <laughs> yeah. And, well, yeah. So it it was kind of get like like my favorite superhero was always Spider Man. So for me, Dracula is like a villain equivalent of that. Okay. Where he's very like his I mean, he's always very cunning. Webs, like though. he was. Yeah, he was very cunning um, and very, like, um, what's the word? A very well-learned, like, well, I, I don't know. He gave this... He's smart. But more than that, it's, like, this, like, old-world mystique of just, like, ancient uh, learning about him. Like, I always thought he was a very interesting uh, character, very interesting monster. Um, so, yeah. Which you need to read Dracula. Yeah. That's, I couldn't be, that's on your list somewhere. I couldn't be Dracula, though, because blood is disgusting. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be able to live as a vampire. No. No. You're just, you're just starving. See, this is why I'm sticking with the inanimate objects. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to actually witness it. What about Frankenstein's monster? You're reading, you're reading uh, 
Frankenstein, yeah. right? I haven't, I'm not acquainted with him enough yet. Okay. Because he just kind of disappeared. So that's, that's where I'm at in the book. Anyway, that's enough of that. The stories that we read, so we read three short stories, um, Call of Cthulhu, Dunwich Horror. H.P. Lovecraft, most of his works are short stories. Like I think the longest book that he ever wrote was um, At the Mountains of Madness, and that was like a hundred and some pages. Was it really that long? Yeah. Did we listen to that we one? We listened to that one. It was like it was like okay. four it was like a five hour listen. Okay. Um, so for those who don't know, H.P. Lovecraft is an early early 20th century writer. He mostly wrote um, pulp fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from old old magazines. So it would be a very, very cheap magazine that people written, wrote, read. Weird things, right? Or yeah. weird stories. Yeah, weird stories was one that he wrote for. Yeah, he, he wrote for a couple of publications. Weird stories was a common one that publishes stuff. Um, and most of the authors that wrote for these, I mean, their works were pretty well forgotten after they were written because um, it was never... Very, I mean, the, the pulp magazines weren't known for having high quality literature, but Lovecraft was able to kind of walk the line just enough where he he was able to appeal to the pulp fiction audience, but his works were also very uh, there. There was a lot more substance and depth to them, mm-hmm. so he was able to last, um, kind of stand the test of time. Yeah, and people today, like there are scholars today that were they're like Lovecraftian scholars where they. Yeah. Um, Read, read all of his works and like uh, analyze, analyze them. them. Yeah, and he definitely has kind of a cult following today yeah. too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I remember I first heard about him in college, and it was actually through um, board games. There was a, a, a board game, like an, an H.P. Lovecraft themed board game. We and own one of those. Yes, we do. <laughs> we're not of the cult following, but we're well, getting there. We're, we're getting, getting there. there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So it was like in college or later in college, I think, that I first read. One of his short stories, but and we've read a few lately. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've read a couple, um, but for like this episode, we read right. three specifically. Right. So we've read more than this, but these were the three that we decided to mm-hmm. commit to. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you hear us referencing other stories, it's because we've had like longer exposure to H.P. Lovecraft. Right. right. Yeah. Um, one thing. So, so we we read this introduction earlier today to one of the H.P. Lovecraft collections, and uh, it was by a Lovecraftian scholar. Um, yeah. He made the point that we have a unique kind of insight into Lovecraft's mind um, because he didn't have very many in-person friends. So it's like today how no one has, you know, we say that people just have online friends, they don't have they have all these friends they don't actually know in person. Well, Lovecraft had that because he found all the people around him very dull. And Same. so he wrote... <laughs> Kidding. So he wrote a lot of letters to friends around New England. And so through this, these letters that people like preserved, we have um, a lot of... Uh, a, a, very, a vast body of um, writings that kind of describe his mind and his thinking and why he wrote the way he wrote. Um, and kind of the a lot of the elements that come that are lay, lay the foundation for his stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot to a lot to learn, a lot to a lot to talk about. So yeah. we'll see if we can hit some of the yeah. the big points. <laughs> yeah. So the stories we read for this episode were Call of Cthulhu, Donald Horror, and The Thing on the Doorstep. Right. Yeah. Um, 
And I picked these because they're each slightly different. So mm-hmm. the first two, Call of Cthulhu and Dunwich Horror, they're within the Cthulhu mythos. Mythos? Yeah. Mythos? I think you would call... I would say the thing on the doorstep is also... Even though it's not from that specific collection, I would put it in the Cthulhu mythos. I don't think so. Yeah, because of the rest, the references. So what unites the Cthulhu mythos is a common um, common geography and common references. Like mm, Yeah. Because there's okay. references to the Necronomicon. And like Arkham. Shub-Niggurath. Uh, like that's one of the elder gods. Uh-huh. And, like there's enough, but I think it, it would be part of the mythos. Okay. Call of Cthulhu was definitely more of like a report. Like yeah. it reads more like a report. So it's one person writing a memoir about... Right all these events that lead up to, I don't know, encountering this elder god, Cthulhu. Mm -hmm. Um, The elder gods, you take that one. What are the elder gods? (laughs) So they're a concept that develop um, over time because then later on you'll get the distinction between elder gods and great old ones. Mm -hmm. I think Cthulhu... I, can't I think he's a great old one. Yeah, I think actually. he's a great old one because he he's like the priest he's like who's the big... like he's like so he's like the priest that serves the old ones and will like wake them up or something like that. Um, I, I know I'm butchering this, but that's okay. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's his main role. He's kind of like the he's he's called the high priest, and so he's he will be the first one to wake, and then he will wake the others, and they come and take over earth. But there's this concept of Either great old ones or elder gods are always these like great powerful cosmic beings, um, either coming from outer space or from another dimension. Yeah, uh, occupying another dimension, and they've they occupied Earth at one point in time, and have since like gone dormant. And so, but there's still like mm-hmm. remnants mm-hmm. in either a human occult practices and things like that that still kind of call to them. And then every now and then someone especially evil will try to awaken, reach, out, them, reach right. out to them or awaken them. Or in the case of um, the Call of Cthulhu, there's like when the stars are right, he wakes up. Yeah. And it's not even, you don't even necessarily need, um, although I think in that case he, he would need the aid of he had his human populace. He had his, his priests. I think they. Yeah, I think they had to do a right to yeah. awaken bows when the stars were yeah. right. Um, but no. But he, anyway, uh, so it like intermingles these elements of right the great old ones and normal daily life. Right, because uh, I think the the normal daily life comes from at the beginning of each story. He kind of takes um, your a lot of. With the exception of the, the Dumbwich Horror is kind of written in third person, but a lot of times it's a first person narrative, mm-hmm. and so the reader is learning of these things through the eyes of the narrator. Right. And so the, the narrator al- starts out as just a normal person right. because the reader is just a normal right. person. And the narrator tends to be someone who's at least another step separated from the events too. It's usually like right. a friend of someone who knows something or a friend right. of. The person who is right having all these strange things happen. Right. So in the case of uh, like the Call of Cthulhu, the guy that you're the narrator is the um, what is he the n- great nephew of yeah something the main investigator, and then he kind of takes up to, his uncle's yeah he takes up his uncle's um, investigation later on. But again, so where the the narrator is kind of approaching this idea as fresh as the reader is. So you're slowly going from a normal everyday person, ooh, who discovers something unusual. Oh, this is this is kind of oh, weird, and then you monster. just kind of go down this path, and <laughs> yeah. then eventually you encounter like the because uh, the because the other theme is always 
his favorite kind of horror is not gore. He, right. does, he doesn't like gore or jump stairs. So you don't. So you're not. Right. It's not like a, so as someone who gets nightmares freakishly right. easily, these stories don't really do that to me. Oh yeah. Because they're they're scary, but more in like a cosmological sense, right. and not so much right. as in this could be real life. Right. See, he always considered the greatest horror to be like the horror of the unknown or the fear mm-hmm. of the unknown. So a lot of the adjectives used are unspeakable, un, unnameable, um, yeah. indescribable. Um, and sanity also plays a common role. Oh, yeah. So basically every, uh, uh, it, most commonly the, um, the narrator or the person who encounters these things goes insane mm-hmm. or is on the verge of insanity Which and blocks it out. really makes sense because, I don't know, I feel like a lot of other stories like even some like mystery stories where there are Mm -hmm. these big traumatic things happening people just kind of go on with life and i feel like it makes a lot more sense for them to just go crazy for a little bit right right Um, and it's definitely more like worldview shattering horror right it's all like what if the world isn't what we think it is right it's and it's designed like so uh and this kind of goes to lovecraft's like philosophy like he didn't find there was a, a quote, um, actually, I might see if I can read it, from the introduction that I think was really, uh, that really kind of captures Lovecraft's writing style. So so this is Lovecraft, I think it was in a letter that he wrote. Um, he says, Individuals and their fortunes within natural law move me very little. They are all momentary trifles bound from a common nothingness towards another common nothingness. Only the cosmic framework or its, itself, or such individuals as symbolized principles, or defiances of principles of the cosmic framework can gain a deep grip on my imagination and set it to work creating. In other words, the only heroes I can write about are phenomena. So he's, Mm -hmm. so it's very much coming from a nihilistic, like, like it kind of reminds you of like Nietzsche and other um, like existentialists who have a very nihilistic view of the world and a very, um, very pessimistic. Right, very pessimistic view of humanity. Um, and that kind of, and you can see a lot of the other point in that introduction, but you can see a lot of uh, echoes of Lovecraft's own life and that the characters are a lot of times, the narrators kind of reflect certain aspects of his personality or certain um, trials that he went through in his life. So you can kind of see that in, in, his, in his stories. Mm-hmm. Um, Can you yeah. give like an example of that? So, um, let's see. The well, the the book we just read, um, the the thing on the doorstep, what the not the narrator, but the main one of the main characters mm-hmm. uh, goes and marries this woman who is thought to. Um, so the, the this character in the beginning is very weak willed because it's kind of a weak, meaningless, coddled person, Mm -hmm. uh, coddled, like, man. Um, And so he goes and meets this girl and gets married. um, And then that, like, you know, not to be a spoiler, Spoiler. but, like, but, you know, (laughs) she turns out to be, like, very, very evil. And uh, eventually, you know, though in the beginning it it seemed like his life was getting better, uh, and he was getting all these new experiences, getting out of the house, and was kind of being freed from his dependence on the on his parents. Uh, there was a line that kind of caught that um, grabbed my attention, 
where the narrator is reflecting on this new marriage and says he, he doesn't really, he doesn't really trust this his wife he, he never really mm-hmm. liked her from the beginning but he said maybe his tra- transferring dependence from parent from his from the parental image to, to her the- might eventually move from uh, might move into a neutralization of his dependence so he, so it's uh, move from a change of dependence could lead to neutralization of dependence. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's reflected in Lovecraft's life where he goes and gets married to a girl um, and just has a rough go of it uh, for a couple of years and moves up to New York away from his aunt. It was like after his mother died and he was just kind of stuck with his aunts and very aimless. So he marries this girl, moves to Brooklyn, and yeah, has a, terrible things happen. <laughs> he, She ends up moving to the midwest and uh like they end up just kind of drifting apart part and divorce uh, and he comes back and is just and is better off as a result mm-hmm. um and that's when like I, I think you see uh i think in time and in, in time that's like when it, oh that was a major like turning point in his writing style um because i think sorry i think uh I haven't read any of his earlier works that are um, more along the lines of like fantasy kind of fairy tale, like Lord Lord Dunstan. He, met, he mentions that Lord Dunstan he was a very big influence on um, Lovecraft. I've read one of Lord Dunstan's like one of his only novels, and it was it was good. Um, and Lord Dunstan is really good about using prose to weave vivid pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I think Lovecraft kind of picked up on that and he, he tries to do that. Um, so he's very, he's very descriptive. Like if you, if you come out of his books expecting an easy read, like, yeah, it was meant for Pulp Fiction, but he uses very, um, almost archaic language. So it's, it, mm-hmm, you know, definitely. even us, we, we get to the book, there, there's some words that. Yeah. We read them out loud and had some trouble with some like. Pronunciations. Of the, of yeah. the incantations and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Bunch of consonants thrown together so what was what was your favorite story of the okay ones we've read so far i know we talked about this particular story being like one of the cheapest stories but i really like dunwich horror Mm -hmm. and i think that one was my favorite um i felt like the thing on the doorstep was very predictable and i'm not saying that that's a bad thing but dunwich horror was predictable but still not shocking, but it still, like, got you. Right, right. Whereas Thing on the Doorstep, it was, like, everything you knew that was going to happen happened, even though it was still, like... Yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying, yeah. I, and I could agree with you. Um, yeah, from the... I mean, part of it, I, I think I also kind of knew going into the Thing on the Doorstep, like, what the gist of what was mm-hmm. going... What the idea... The ba- you know, basic idea is that his friend and this evil person, this, there's this evil being that is able to uh transfer bodies with people so basically he his consciousness goes into someone's body and that person's consciousness goes into his body and so through that he's like train tra- moving through bodies um that's not the, to just like incorporate my icebreaker answer but there is a scene in the thing on the doorstep that reminded me a lot of the monkey's paw right and we do have so we have this collection of short stories lovecraft selects where he um there's there's some essay that he wrote that he talks about as being great works of horror so he wrote an essay and mentioned these stories in it Mm -hmm. 
and the monkey's paw is one of them. So I couldn't help but thinking about that because there's one scene, not, I mean, spoilers. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, so there's one scene where the narrator is going to answer the door and you know something isn't quite right and you're not sure what to expect, but you know it's his friend. Right. But you don't know. And there's something in the monkey's paw that happens very similarly to yeah. that. I don't know if this is like blasphemy or anything, but I did not really like Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> I feel horrible for saying that, but yeah. it was just very dry. And I didn't, I don't know, it was really interesting that it could read so much like a report mm-hmm. and have all that content in there. And yes, it was scary. Like the narrator was scared. Right. But it just seemed very straightforward and very, like, I don't know how to describe it. Like, maybe it didn't have enough jump scares for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess it, because it, because it, it, it is like a memoir perspective. Like, mm-hmm. that's how it's written. But um, so was the thing on the doorstep, and I didn't feel that way about Yeah, it that was, yeah, so I think the thing on the doorstep is different because it's like written as a, as a confession, because the, the like the be- the very beginning is you know I've just killed my friend, but yeah. he was not my friend. Right, and that's again why I think you you knew what was happening all along. He says in the in the very first sentence, you're not in, it's not intended to be a big secret. He says in the beginning, I killed my friend, but he was not my friend. So you're like waiting and for then this you're, thing to then, happen. So then you're getting the details right. um, of how it happens. Whereas Call of Cthulhu, it's oh we found this little statue. Mm-hmm. What is it? And then. Yeah. There's, like, more discussion about, like, oh, cults. Yeah. Oh, there's this giant creature. Right. I guess I'm very attracted to good world building, and I love reading mm-hmm. lore. So, I mean, any kind of series that I've gotten really into, like, you know, whether it's Lord of the Rings or uh, or even, like, Stargate SG-1, there's, like, a lot of backstory and a lot of, like, world building that goes on. I really enjoy good world building. How I read it, it was just, it was more background information. Yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. Now, now you did enjoy, I mean, I know it's not one of the three that we set aside for this one, but you did enjoy um, At the Mountains of Madness. Mm-hmm. That was also very much report-like. Right. Like, it even had a lot of, I found it really interesting because apparently Lovecraft was very meticulous in getting the geological um, um, truths correct, like getting... Uh, like he even mentioned like continental drift theory when that was just a birch, like a very new idea in mm. science, in geology. Um, and he uh, even at one point like re- went back and edited, like I think he first wrote in 1931 and then there, there was a theory that he talks about um, that was disproven in 1935 and he goes back and edits it to correct, mm-hmm. to re- correct that. So it's very much is tr- is very scientifically authentic in how it describes the Antarctic. Yeah. And he was very fascinated with Antarctica. So it says that he was, um, in his letters, he talks about like being very, um, like reading any kind of expedition from there. He was ro- perused over all the reports <laughs> and uh, was very into that. Yeah, he was definitely very meticulous when it comes to his research. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I did like the Mountains of Madness better because it was longer so mm-hmm. there was more to it where call of cthulhu was like 20 pages right. right um but i also liked dagon which is like five pages yeah <laughs> so i guess it either just has to be really short or really long mm-hmm. in order for me to like it <laughs> yeah and to be fair i mean i, I guess i read that we were, saw this on 
Wikipedia, but um, Love there's record that Lovecraft himself wasn't super impressed with Call of Cthulhu. He didn't consider it one of his greatest works. Like or in anything. the middle. Yeah, he considered it. Yeah, I think that that was the word he used, middling, a middling work. Yeah, that's um, why I feel okay about my assessment of it. Because yeah. if Lovecraft himself didn't love it, then yeah, it's fine. It's yeah. fine that I don't love it. <laughs> um. So yeah, yeah, I think at the Mountains of Madness was one of his favorites. Um, and I think, because he, this was also in Call of Cthulhu, because the, again, with the, the way he does horror is very much in the forms of, like, cosmic and unknown, so odd geometry is also something he uses to hint at something horrific or Mm -hmm. un, unearthly, um, about whatever horror, horror thing you're, you're about to discover, so he, it was described like very weird geometry and very weird architecture, um, which yeah. I always thought was I always found fascinating. Yeah, you always get this picture of something that doesn't belong in our dimension, and he somehow does that very clearly. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is crazy because we don't have any reference for anything outside of our dimension. Right. But yeah, and I think the intro that we read in this book um, made the point that. So Lovecraft always describes this in between. So something that's not of our time, but it's like right. in between our time. Right. And he kind of does that with his genre because mm-hmm. it's not quite like your classic horror story, but it's right. something But it's not it's not, and it's not quite like science fiction. Right. Um, it's something in between. Right. So So I think some of his later stories do move into more of a sci-fi direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've read that. I haven't read any of his any of these stories that are supposed to be more sci-fi, but I've heard that that's kind of what he does. Hmm. Um, there's like a ten year period where he does like the horror that we that he is known for, and then he towards the end of that he starts moving more in sci-fi directions yeah, because people did not like his yeah. weird stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lovecraft is. I, I really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, so who? Would you recommend these stories to? Because I feel like it's a very particular audience. Yeah, so someone who... I think if you enjoy... Um, like I said, if you enjoy world building, like it's really cool to read little stories and get snippets of mm-hmm. how this universe all fits together. Um, so that's really... So if you enjoy... Uh, I think if you enjoy fantasy... Um, or sci-fi for the like, world-building bu- aspect. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that that would be... This Lovecraft would appeal to you. Um, if you like um, like existentialism, like thinking, like existentialist yeah, ideas, they're very it's very much... philosophical. Yeah, there's a lot of... Um, a lot of kind of pondering on existence and what it means to be human now in light of this new revelation right. that humans, humanity is just like a bunch of ants compared like to we these don't things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that, that's a common theme. Um, and also, if you want to read something creepy without having nightmares. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I don't know, because it, it, it is, I don't know, some of this stuff is, would be, would be pretty, pretty creepy to some mm-hmm. people. I can yeah. see that. But he, um, and it's also very, I wouldn't say miss, it's not, it's not like a mystery, but there's, Mm-mm. um, but there's always, there's always like a gradual unfolding of detail and, and very, there's a lot of the narrators play the role of investigators. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Situation right, like so that. you can figure things out as you go along, yeah, or make guesses right. like you would in a mystery, right. or if you and if if you like stories that kind of reflect on deep time, maybe. Um, <laughs> I guess how I that's another way I would describe yeah. it because there's a lot of references to and a lot of descriptions of very old um, eons, and I think it's yeah. Yeah. So it's very otherworldly. Or if you like occultism. I don't know. That's a weird statement. <laughs> but if you like reading about, like, archaic mm-hmm. religion, sort of. Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed our in-depth introduction of H.P. Lovecraft. Don't forget to subscribe to Reading Minds either on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. You can also reach us at our email address, readingmindspodcast at gmail.com, with any thoughts, questions, or ideas you have. Also, I've recently started an Instagram account for the show. If you love looking at pretty pictures of books as much as I do, you can find me at reading underscore minds underscore. That's all for today. Be watching at the end of the month for our book club on Frankenstein. Until then, bye friends.